Hey everyone, welcome to this fourth talk on St. Teresa of Avila's The Interior Castle. This is a fourth talk on the fourth mansion. In this talk, there's many separate elements which at some points uh, sometimes seem a little disjointed, but they all come together at the end. So we've moved from those first three mansions uh, mansions one, two, and three, uh, which we understood to have uh, to be prayerful and meditative, but to have a clearer element of personal effort, and we move into what are called and um, known as the mansions of infused growth. Um, these mansions are more mystical and supernatural, and so Saint Teresa says that she's entrusting herself even more to the Holy Spirit for guidance in writing this, because as we get closer. To the central room uh, of the king, the, the, the final place, and the beauty of it, the beauty of the mansions is so great. But the problem with getting closer in this way is that we move more away from the material world, more away from the intellect, and more away from description. And so as we move more and more towards the beauty and the light, we find that these things are so delicate and so beautiful that we literally don't have the words to describe them or explain them. Um, and because they really can only be understood by those who've already experienced them. Okay. Now, St. Teresa says, to reach the, uh, the fourth mansion, it's highly likely that one will have had to live, have to have lived in all the others for a long time. But, she does say, there's no certain rule for this. The Lord will give what he gives, when he wants to, to whom he wants. Uh, but he's never unjust. Okay. Now, in this fourth mansion, the there is a firstly a little peculiar trait with respect to the the creatures and the vermin that we'll be familiar with from the first three houses. Okay, so in the first three houses, there's always this possibility that the vermin from the the outer walls and the outer world will creep in and try ruin things uh, and muddy everything up. Now, the vermin that we've been speaking about, the poisonous creatures, they they rarely enter past the third house, and when they enter into houses one, two, and three, they still have material, really. They still have a material relationship, and they can still bring forth these material temptations. Um, now, because of this, because really we're talking about primarily spiritual things now, uh, and, and people who, and souls that have moved away from that spiritual, uh, from souls that have moved away from the material relationship, the first three houses, if these vermins and poisonous creatures enter into houses four, five, uh, mansions four, five, and six, uh, they don't actually cause any harm. Um, what is meant by this is that for the devil to usually be able to deceive people with respect to the spirit and spiritual temptations, often there is a material element which he can sort of use. But souls at this level, very roughly and quite haphazardly, could say are so advanced in a certain sense that. Um, they're able to discern uh, what evil spirits are, and really, all these all these vermin do at this at this juncture, if they creep in, is just act as as a reminder of how bad things were back in the previous houses. Okay. Next, we turn back to the idea of consolations and of uh, getting a consolation or reward from our own work. Okay, and. 
this relates to the idea of these little uh, little vermins and devils giving temptations because now we're entering we really need to make that leap now between the spirit uh, from the material to the spiritual and we can now think so we've made that big move and things also move with that and so in the sense that the relationship with the vermins change that we're in the spiritual so we we think to them yeah you're just a reminder of how how empty and vanity filled that world was and it just helps bolster your discernment of good and evil equally when we come to think of consolations um most of the time we realize that we were thinking of rewards in consolations with respect to material with respect to the earth okay and when we think of these okay we realize that there are consolations on the earth in the material world and not all of them are bad someone might inherit something you might spontaneously meet someone that you love in the street or something that randomly happened uh, to you might bring joy, okay? All these consolations are natural, um, but the ones of God are of a nobler kind, okay? And so all consolations can begin in our human nature, but they all truly end in God. Now, with where we are in the fourth mansion, any consolations really begin in the spiritual, flow through the soul, uh, into the human nature and they feel and enjoy them so much more so but there's a key difference okay once again because we're really now having that full move as i said between the material and the spiritual um there's a difference between the consolations we're talking about in regard to a form of earthly joy material joy and the ones brought about by god and genuine uh, spiritual delights now we can see why um you know why those vermin might be important important and what leap someone must have made to be able to just push away those temptations because this is why consolations are brought in because not everything of the earth is bad okay but to fully push away from material and even material rewards and consolation you need to have an understanding from humility that spiritual consolations must be something different something greater okay what is the difference genuine spiritual delights um expand the heart okay consolations don't expand the heart in fact they may even constrain it a little say um and and for saint Teresa, there is almost there are anxious tears that uh, that come up and are brought about uh, by this sort of passionate relationship with these consolations and she really she does struggle to really explain what she means by this because it's something personal it's something very mystical and it's something of the experiential so she says she would often cry tears and weep over the passion of her sins to the point of having a severe headache okay and these tears flowed for the reasons that have been stated in relation to consolations and they're furthered by one's human nature uh, and one's temperament and the state that they find themselves in but they end up in god and this experience that she's having in relation to these really she's in this fourth mansion has this it really articulates the relationship between uh the material consolations and the spiritual consolations and the and the peculiar um place that suffering plays in spiritual consolations and once again we need the humility to understand that we can't become prideful about having such experiences um, because such experiences in being both of the world uh, in the in the sense that you have consolations of the world in the sense of this tearful emotional experience and of heaven in relation to the fact that god can give us consolations um, means that we don't always know whether or not they are they are primarily of of love um, and so in ascribing all of these effects and consolations to, 
to God, we end up in this form of pride about inflating our spiritual position. Okay, so there's a lot going on there, but actually it relates back to the idea that we had in the third house about someone these aren't necessarily imperfections, but you can have consolations, you can have emotional experiences, you can have, and, and, and what can happen from this is, almost in the in the way of an opposite of that dryness, is you can end up actually having these bolster and inflate your spiritual position, because you don't know if these are all just come from a sincere, uh, these, these, these may be coming from your own pride, okay? So, St. Teresa states that uh, the previous souls in the previous mansions often had these excessive, excessive feelings because they they were always... So the, in the previous mansions, the souls that are in those mansions may have had these excessive feelings where their tears welled up to the point of a headache because they were always in dialogue with the intellect and engaging in discursive thought and meditation. Okay, so what's the difference? Okay, Once again, we have to see these differences between the mansions. And the difference here then is between thinking and loving it's the big difference really in a way between the third mansion that still has that effort the will the intellect playing a role is the difference between and the, and the fourth mansion is the difference between thinking and loving and the difference between in thinking and intellectualizing our relationship with god still caught up in some elements of our own egoistic psyche and in loving we are giving ourselves fully over to the spirit okay which is god's love St. Teresa's definition of love is one which isn't necessarily of the light, but is solely a determination to please God in everything, to not offend him, to be in full abeyance of his will. These are the signs of love. And so her love isn't really the common understanding of love, okay? Her love could include what we, what, what certain people, in, especially in the first three houses, would consider really horrible suffering, pains, uh, suffering, illnesses that we will get to. But her... The sign of her understanding of love is in these. It's in abeyance to these, okay? And from this, St. Teresa comes to the understanding that the mind, um, the mind is not the intellect in this sense, okay? The intellect is only one of the soul's faculty. And really, the intellect is often the thing which flings the mind around, okay? And really disturbs the soul, keeps it whirring. And only God for St. Teresa can come in and hold it in harmony. The mind is the thing that's going, 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 going. The intellect comes in and disturbs. God is the thing that can come in and hold it in harmony. And once again, you can think about that as the another leap of giving yourself fully over to God between the third and the fourth mansions. The mind can be distracted, while the other faculties of the soul are entirely recollected in God. Okay, The intellect is often the thing which leads us to distraction um, and leads us away from listening to God. And it's, it's in this manner of abiding solely to the intellect that we don't actually come to understand ourselves because we're, we're only attending to one part of ourselves, which is the intellectual part. And such a path can actually lead one to neglecting the interior world altogether because, once again, you can just intellectualize the exterior world. So when we look at this back in relation to the castle, St. Teresa says the soul is perhaps um, completely... Um, the soul is completely joined with him in the center, but the mind is actually in the outskirts of the castle, suffering with the poisonous beasts, uh, beasts and um, meriting from the suffering in a certain sense, or believing it's meriting from a certain suffering in a certain sense. So there's, there's different things at different stages now and at different places. And really what you need to, the differentiation you need to, the differences that we need to make clear here is what St. Teresa makes is between the noise of the intellect 
and the higher part of the soul which is taken up in quiet love and clear knowledge what she calls clear knowledge and this is what we call the superior part of the soul which is the superior part of the head and the mind which brings forth the question why isn't the soul disturbed okay so the intellect gets all disturbed it can run away with itself it can just uh, you know it just drives you drives you sort of we say it drives us crazy right we can't stop it why isn't the soul itself disturbed saint Teresa says she doesn't actually know the answer to this and she admits it um but she's she's articulating the difference between the noise of the intellect and the peace of the soul okay and if the devil causes such noise in our minds then this will cease when we are suspended up to that higher part of the soul and if these thoughts come from any of the uh mysteries inherited from adam we, we we can endure them as a trial okay so from this position of the higher part of the soul things don't get rationalized they don't possibly cause a disturbance they're endured they're suffered it's a different thing altogether um and these trials and internal wars we must we must battle in life saint Teresa, you know these must be suffered if we can for us to find the peace where we live you know the obstacles to the rest and tranquility uh, with respect to leaning into the quiet of the soul these are entirely within our control uh, the obstacles are all internal and the place where we are freed from all these miseries is when we reach the last dwelling place and this is only if god god wills it so we have all these battles we have all these trials these sufferings and but these are internal obstacles okay these are our choices to fight or give in to them and the intellect is often this this problematic thing which comes in and tries to change them into other things so now all that's in place we can turn um to this difference between consolations and spiritual delights um so there's a, a prayer called the prayer of quiet now to articulate this prayer um, which is the prayer of quiet is, an, is a very deep form of recollection which comes directly from God and once again a very quick digression anyone who wants to undertake this as a serious spiritual work please speak to your priest or superior um, so but she she talks to the, she turns sorry she turns to the prayer of quiet and she she begins by giving us um, this metaphor this symbol so she asks us to consider two founts uh, founts as in water fountains um, with two troughs two water troughs one of the troughs is filled with water from very far away um, and the way that the trough gets the water is from much ingenuity okay like pipes and intellectual ingenuity and moving things right and it's very far away and it's, it almost takes this mass effort to get there the other trough the source of the water is right there uh, and it fills without any noise so you have this one all these pipes this clanking this like ingenuity and it comes from miles away and fills it up and this other one quiet peaceful natural stream okay if this source of water in this second trough which is the natural quiet stream is abundant the water overflows from the trough and eventually forms a large stream this is in opposition to the first trough where everything had to be built from ingenuity in the form of aqueducts etc and when we look back at the other one the mere overflowing of this natural source of water doesn't require any skill to build okay we don't have to like bang around with all this noise and um uh, um digressions 
and uh, you know prayers of sort of discernment and talking and intellectualization okay there's none of this banging around in the noise okay the, the, the water is always flowing from the natural source okay the water from the first trough and with all the aqueducts and the noise is like the constellations we mentioned before they are drawn from meditation and they're like a discursive intellectual element about them which is you're almost holding it together yourself okay and we obtain this symbolic water in the sense of assisting ourselves, using others to help us, making all these efforts, making all, uh, you know, using our intellect, making all this noise. And it's almost like this, this just, you know, trying to replenish, replenish it, trying to replenish it. The source of the other troth, of course, is God. And when he decides to do so and seeks to grant us it as a supernatural favor, he produces the water from his natural spring. And it's peaceful. It's quiet, it's in the very interior part of ourselves, and it's like the light flowing from the center, okay? It, ha it comes It comes when God wills it, it's grace. And you can see the, the difference between then the consolations, like, oh, you know, I need a reward, build this aqueduct, etc., etc., and spiritual delights. And so this water, this natural uh, spring of water coming from God, arises from deep within us, and thus expands the whole interior being. We don't fully understand exactly what the water is, but we share in it. It's a delicate experience, and it moves us away from those intellectual consolations um, because it's not something we can understand on an intellectual level because we don't go, okay, I got given that for this reason. It's grace. You understand it on the level of the soul. And so when we look back at humility, we can begin to ask ourselves at this juncture whether or not we believe we deserve these delights from the second trough of water or that we will even receive them in our lifetime. And of course, this begs the question, how can one receive these uh, the, the delights, the rewards, if you, that's a pretty bad word, but delights would be the better word, these natural, supernatural delights from the second trough, how can we receive these in our lifetime without seeking them, without asking for them? Because we've got to remain humble. Remember before, are we doing it for the right reasons? And the first thing necessary for such things is to love the source itself without any self-interest. It's to, to imitate the Lord. We seek to suffer as opposed to gain delights. And so we suffer for these delights. Okay, it's not out of our own self-interest. Okay, but even then, we're never obliged to get them and ironically the main reason for you know often moving away from the obligation is in attempting to labor for the rewards themselves really in this we actually even step back into uh, the first troth where we're trying to form all these ingenious contraptions um, for some gain to sort of you know squeeze out the tears that we were talking about earlier okay so in that sense we can actually look back to the tears that I mentioned earlier about St. Teresa. Because you go, well, that's peculiar. It came out of nowhere. What's that got to do with consolations? You think about these two troths. You think about first the ingenuity, the noise, the, um, you know, all this intellectualization, this effort, this tiresome effort to just, you know, eek and squeeze out a couple of tears as opposed to this isn't for me. 
I will just suffer for the Lord. I'm doing it out of love of that natural source alone. And the tears coming from these two places are entirely different. They're in a way, they're different excesses. Okay. And here at St. Teresa talks about the prayer of recollection, which she considers to be supernatural. And at least it seems to be for her. Because it doesn't involve closing one's eyes or any exterior thing. It is a recovery of the soul. And it's peculiar that the that the prayer of recollection comes now at the fourth mansion. But when we look back at the idea of the castle, she asks us to imagine that the senses and the faculties have gone outside the walls, um, maybe to walk for days and years with strangers, with enemies of the well-being of the castle and enemies thus of the self. This is the senses and the faculties. Having seen their perdition, they begin to approach the castle. They may not remain inside the senses and the faculties as we know it's quite difficult to enter but the king in the center of the castle sees their goodwill and of course he knows their goodwill he wants to bring them back to him and so he whistles very very faintly so faintly that they almost can't hear it but this whistle has so much power that the senses and the faculties abandon exterior things emphasize that the senses and the faculties in hearing this very faint whistle abandon these exterior things and return to the castle they return inward back to their soul and saint Teresa says that it's a great help to seek god where he is found more easily in a way more beneficial to us than when we seek him in the external world okay which is to say that once again we go back to that intellectualization the external things of trying to like force god out of the world okay whereas there is already something in our souls in the center, very deep, which is whistling very faintly to bring things to it, even the senses and the faculties. There is something already within the castle which draws one to it. Okay, and this is what St. Teresa calls recollection. Okay, and God grants this. This is an act of Him granting it. Um, and so, in that, if we make room for God at this juncture, He will make room for us in the castle of our own soul and it's in that you begin to see the difference between the intellectual world okay and the solely spiritual world because you no longer feel you need to make all these external efforts in this relationship with the material things and the intellectualization and that's really the big gap between the four uh, the third and the fourth mansion but we must recognize this favor as given by God, this, this recollection, that this recollection is in preparation of being able to listen. And in this act of recollection, we can more deeply understand the difference between consolations, spiritual delights. The former still having that reliance on the intellectual understanding and the latter are more akin to this prayer of recollection where you just, the senses and the faculties give up exterior things. The senses and the faculties give up exterior things. We can't make any of this happen. We may even become impatient or try and induce this form of prayer. Um, but in doing so, we once again run into that same wall of stating to ourselves, we know what is good for us. Okay, it's like trying to force, so I'm going to listen to God. It's like, well, he hasn't granted it. Okay. And in doing that, we're actually putting ourselves in the position of, of God. And we can become very, very dry from doing that. And it's only he who knows that what, what we should have. Okay. And secondly, when we think about those intellectual consolations and the intellect in general, we understand it's arduous, it's noisy. And now the things we're talking about are gentle, peaceful, 
delicate, so, so delicate. Now, the soul shouldn't suspend the intellect, okay? But it should strive to cut down its rambling and allow it to be in its correct place. We still need to do things. We still need to live. We still need to read. We still need to talk and has its correct place. But it needs to cut down that constant feeling that it needs to be working to, uh, right, you know, today I'll do 50 of this and that'll get me the prayer or the, the thing I need to hear. No, 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 no. It needs the soul and love comes first and puts the intellect in its right place. Okay. And St. Teresa does mention the effects or signs uh, of those whom God has given this prayer of quiet. When the soul is expanded in relation to that second trough, which is naturally overflowing as we saw before, so it is with the prayer and what it grants the soul. It enables the soul an expansion so that it will now be able to actually keep everything in which it will be afforded within itself. The soul becomes less tied down and in the greater understanding has much more freedom. In the knowledge of its limitations as given from God, it has more freedom. Such freedom is not found in a constraint by the fear of hell, but within an inner confidence in walking towards God, enjoying his presence. It's no longer a fear of penance and losing health, but simply a joy of being able to do all things in God, and thus a joy of penance, okay, a joy of trials. Trials become tempered, and one's faith becomes more alive in relation to suffering. So the expansion of the soul improves all virtues, and will continue to grow as long as it doesn't turn back. However, in such a place where someone has been afforded this gift of prayer of recollection, St. Teresa states one should be on guard because they're like a child at this point. And if one is to turn away from God at this moment in time, what else could they expect but death? In the same way that a child needs its mother. Okay, If you turn away at this point, okay, in turning, turning away at this moment, even though one is remaining within faith and not knowledge, one is still turning away at the moment something is genuinely being granted from God as a deed. And so they turn away at this point. If they are to turn away at this point, they turn away at the, the moment they are closest to him. and could do a lot of damage to their soul because others may also follow them. One further danger is that of having a weak constitution and conflating external weakness with spiritual sleep. Okay, itself being a prayer little more, a little more intense than the prayer of quiet, and they become absorbed in this sleep, they fall asleep. Um, and this is uh, something being carried, it's like being carried away on foolishness. It wastes time and it wears down someone's health. It misleads uh, both the self and others around you. And this is really uh, a key part that St. Teresa is telling her sisters. Okay, And so what we're looking at, now at the end here of this fourth mansion is the distinct move away from the in intellect and the arduous work of the three former mansions, uh, which are to do with prayer and meditation. We're moving towards an openness, a humility, a peace, a quiet, and something that is primarily more of the soul and away from the faculties and of noise and work. Thank you all for watching this talk, and uh, I hope to see you all again in the next one, the fifth mansion.